together to Mark chapter 15, and we'd like to read a few verses together, Mark uh, 15. This little devotional this morning I'm going to call the ninth hour, the ninth hour. As you know, Jesus hung on the cross from the third hour of the day to the ninth hour. That would be corresponding to our 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And so let's read here, beginning in verse 33 of Mark uh, 15. Mark chapter 15. Beginning in verse 33, Mark 15. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, putting it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come down uh, to, and take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw in this way he breathed his last he said truly this man was the son of god first of all notice with me a cry a cry you see here jesus verse 34 he cried a certain cry we know, for instance, this was a very painful cry because of all that he was enduring, all that he had endured up to this point, and all that he was enduring being crucified. He had already lost a good deal of blood from the scourging that he had received. The crown of thorns was a very, very painful ordeal. <coughs> Being crucified and nailed on a tree was also intense agony. And then hanging there, suffocating as he was. So we know this is a painful cry. A painful cry. Parents, parents of those who are young, having toddlers in the house, they soon, they soon learn to distinguish between a serious cry and just a fussy cry. And so if you hear your little ones in another room and there's someone crying out, if that's real pain, then there's a certain tone to that cry. But if it's just a normal kind of fussy, tired cry, then you might not respond to that cry. Jesus here is crying out in real agony and pain. 
And we recall and we are before him today and he is with us today in worship. And we realize he did, he did this uh, for us. So it's a painful cry. But notice also it's a very loud cry. It's a loud cry. It says he, verse 34 says he cried out with a loud, loud voice. Loud voice. You might say he's crying out for attention, the pain that he's in. He's wondering why others do not realize the intense pain that he's in. And why isn't someone doing something about it? Jesus is crying out for that kind of attention. Years ago when we were, Kelly and I were first married, we were able to go with a church group on a um, hayride during the month of October. They took us out into this, this uh, very wide pasture, very dark, and we were sitting on the edge of the trailer and we began to hear some kind of yelping sound. And as we got closer, we could tell it was some kind of animal in pain. And two or three of us guys got out and kind of walked over to the noise. And as we got closer, we, understood, we could see that there was a, a puppy dog who had stringy hair. And we don't know how long he had been out there, but he had gotten his ears and hair tangled up in barbed wire and he was just he was in a fit of both pain and agony yelling out uh, for attention and for some reason or another I just thought about that as Jesus here uh, no one around to help him it is a painful loud cry but it's also a haunting cry because as you read here from the sixth hour right up here to the ninth hour it was a darkness darkness covered the whole land can you imagine standing there hearing this awful cry and everything everywhere you look there's there's darkness and why is Jesus Enduring this because he does not want us to be anywhere else in eternity but at home with him. He wants heaven to be our home. That's why he's, he's yelling out this very haunting cry. Most of the great preachers in our brotherhood are those you never hear about. I grew up under a couple of those preachers. One's name was Charles Bryan, who preached at the Curry Church of Christ for many years. Another one there in Walker County, his name is Earl Barnett. And Brother Earl uh, did a lot of work, a lot of good works. And one time Brother Earl was teaching on the subject of hell. I was just a little boy, but I remember this vividly. And he said, I'm about to tell you the closest I've ever come to hell. 
and he said he was doing a funeral and they were out at the cemetery and there was the casket and the man who had passed away was a wicked man. And as he concluded the service, the daughter of that wicked man was standing beside Brother Earl. And as Brother Earl said, Amen, they began to lower the casket down. And the daughter yelled out in anguish the word Daddy. 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 But not in the calm voice I'm using, but in the loudest voice a young nine-year-old could ever muster, she yelled out, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. He said that was the most haunting cry he'd ever heard. That's the closest he'd ever want to come to hell. So Jesus here noticed a cry, a very painful cry, a very loud cry, a haunting cry, right in the midst of this, of this uh, darkness. In the second place, notice not only a cry, but notice a question, a question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a common question. The question of why is, is very common. Very common. Why is God letting this happen to me? Why? Why has this come to my front door? Why? I've noticed in going by the old building often on, on my route from here to home that some still think that there's a religious group meeting in our old building and they'll bring They'll bring clothes and garage items and just put it right there at the front door of our old building thinking that somebody might be able to use this for benevolence. It actually just looks like trash uh, a lot of times. Sometimes we ask the question, why has God allowed this, whatever this is, why has God allowed this to come to my front door? We remember Gideon asking this question in Judges 6, 13 and 14. He said, if, if God is so powerful and so mighty, then why have all these things happened uh, to us? So this is a very common question. But it's also a very Bible-based question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know this is Jesus he is quoting from Psalm 22. Psalm 22. You know that much of the ordeal of the cross is a fulfillment of Psalm 22. But notice a couple of other Psalms with me as we think about this question. Turn with me to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. A short little Psalm, but notice how similar in thought this is. Psalm number 13. This is a psalm of David and he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? See that? Psalm 13 verse 1. How long will you hide your face from me? 
How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy says, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because uh, I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. Psalm 13, verse 5. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David there asking why, why, but also not giving up his trust and hope in God. From there, you might want to turn with me to Psalm number 43. Psalm 43. And notice these five verses. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against the ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Please deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you, O God, you are my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I think as Jesus is asking this question, why have you forsaken me? I think he's reflecting scripture. I have no idea how he was able to do that, being in the midst of the ordeal that he's enduring. How could he recall scripture? How could he recall it in such a perfect manner that he did? Uh, but he did. So. This question is a common question. It's also a question that is Bible-based. It's a question also that needs some interpretation. Notice that in Mark 15, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani. And then it says there, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Notice that word, which means, which means which means. That, that word comes from the original language which means, uh, it comes from a word that says uh, hermeneo, hermeneo. Just means interpretation. I took a class back uh, in my days at Faulkner University, it's called hermeneutics, hermeneutics. And One of, the, one of the couples that adopted us in those days, their names are Jim and Dorothy uh, Schumacher. And um, they would have us at lunch on Sundays quite a bit. And I was telling Miss Dorothy, I'm taking hermeneutics. And she said, Herman who? Herman who? 
And it took a while to explain. Hermeneo just simply means to explain something, to interpret uh, something. If you want to compare a verse, Luke 24, 27, Jesus meets the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they were very confused even though Jesus had died. They weren't sure about his resurrection. And Jesus, it says there, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted many things about himself. So the Bible must not only be read, but it must be understood. So notice this question is is a common question. It's Bible-based, and it needs some interpretation. But it's a question that really doesn't receive an answer, does it? It doesn't receive an answer. In other words, as Jesus yells out this question, he also understands there's no help coming. There's no help coming. He must endure the death of the cross. Philippians 2, 7 and 8 said, says, He humbled himself, but became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus was more than willing, and I would even say more than happy, to endure this for us because he loves us that much. So we notice here in Mark 15 a cry at the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, there's a cry. At the ninth hour, there's a question. And then in the third place, notice together this morning, at the ninth hour, there's a feeling. There's a feeling. Think about the word forsaken. The word forsaken. Jesus has a feeling of isolation. Isolation. No one's coming to help. This is not just a quotation from Psalm 22. This is the complete feeling of being absolutely isolated from both God and man. A feeling of isolation. The word forsaken means to leave down. Literally means to leave down. To leave down. Jesus, in a sense, as he dies on the cross, has been cast down. And in a sense, he's yelling up to God saying, Why have you left me down in all of this? Why must I be left down in all of this? He is absolutely forsaken. Where are the apostles? Where are, where are all those people that he healed? Where are all those people that he touched with the, with the words that he spoke? Where are all the people that he encouraged? Where are all, where are all the families? What about the, the people that he raised from the dead? Where are their families? Okay. Where is God? Where is God? Jesus is enduring this feeling of isolation for us. So we see here a feeling, a feeling. And then I want us to see in the next place, not only a feeling, but I want us to see the Lord's faith. 
the Lord's faith. Don't miss the Lord's faith in this question. For one thing, notice he says God. My God. But he says God. Okay. He has not left the faith. Jesus is not having doubts. In fact, he doesn't just say God. He says, my God. My God. The Lord, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus has not left the faith. He's not having doubts. Notice that this is a prayer. Jesus had often prayed as we watch him move here and there in his life on earth. He prayed early in the morning. He prayed continuously. This is Jesus still praying even on the cross. Notice the scripture. Okay. Jesus has not cast off his faith. He's praying. He is referring to scripture. He knows that he is the one to do this for mankind at this point in time in history. He says, my God, my God. He is repeating that for our emphasis. You remember that when he warned Peter, Luke 22, 30 and 31, he said, he said to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fall. He's warning Simon about the, the temptations of Satan. And so he is getting our attention. He is getting the attention of the world that there is something important happening here. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So I want us to see Jesus' uh, faith. And then one other thought about these verses. As we look here at the ninth hour, the ninth hour, we see a cry. We see a question. We see a feeling of isolation. We see the faith of our Lord. But we also see a very certain reality. It says here that when he had breathed his last, he died. That's how his death is, is described. When he had cried out with a loud voice, he breathed his last. His last. God is responsible for us having breath in the first place. Acts 17, 24 and 25. It is the God of the universe who gives us life, breath, and all things. So for us to ever have breath in the first place is because God gave it to us. But here God is also reminding us that there is a time coming when we will breathe our last. We will breathe our last. It is all, it's coming for, for each of us. It is a reality. The death of Jesus happened because when we move from this life to the next, He wants us to be in the hands of the Lord. He breathed His last. Interestingly, it says that this centurion was facing Jesus. 
And when he saw the manner in which Jesus died, he said, surely this was the Son of God. Is that your conviction as well? Do you say that with an open heart? Do you say that with great assurance that this is the Son of God? And if you say that with conviction, your life must follow. My life must follow. Aren't we grateful for what Jesus did in our behalf? These few words just remind us of that, but there's so much more here than what we just read. But this is suffice this morning to remind us of how precious Jesus is, how precious His blood is to us. It might be on this very Lord's Day you've been thinking quite a bit about coming back to God. Perhaps you have wondered. Perhaps things have not been good between you and God for a while. Perhaps really seeing what the Lord endured for us can motivate us can inspire us to forget all else, forget everybody else, and just be who we need to be before our Lord. Brother Jerry was mentioning earlier in his prayer, obeying the gospel, being baptized into the death of Jesus is very necessary for us to begin that important walk with God, for us to receive the forgiveness of sins, for us to begin our journey to heaven. We stand ready today to help anyone with any spiritual need. Will you please come as we stand together right now and as we sing this hymn? Okay.